It's so joyful tonight to gather for St. Rose of Lima's first ever extended vigil of Pentecost. I'm so glad that you chose to come here tonight to this Mass. I guarantee you it'll be the best five hours of your life. (laughs) Kidding, it won't be that long, but a little bit longer than the usual Mass, and hopefully you got the message. But at this Mass, the scriptures and the songs and the prayers that Mother Church gives to us as nourishment tonight are so rich and so beautiful and so filling. And I have to admit that in preparing for this liturgy, I was really just overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit several times. So with every single scripture passage and psalm and and prayer that I pondered, I was just just amazed at the sheer majesty of God's love for all of us and God's love for me personally, too. The descent of the Holy Spirit upon the disciples in the upper room is such, such a tremendous event in salvation history that it really ranks right next to Christmas and Easter. Christmas and Easter, of course, they have octaves attached to them. That means that there's, there's an entire week of celebration following both of them. It's how, it's how exalted they are in God's plan. It's like having eight days of Christmas or eight days of Easter afterward in the church's calendar. Pentecost also used to have an octave, eight days of feasting to celebrate the gift of God's Spirit. And that's no surprise because without the Holy Spirit, the church is a lifeless body. We need so much to receive, to cherish, to honor the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let's hope that one day in the future, the octave of Pentecost will be restored in our church calendar as the exalted festival that it really is. In this little gospel passage we just heard from John chapter 7, Jesus utters a single sentence. But the way that I've been reading it, it's really him saying it at the top of his lungs. Let anyone who thirsts Come to me and drink. As scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within him who believes in me. And then John the Evangelist, as he often does, adds a little explanation at the end. He says, Jesus said this in reference to the Spirit that those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So we know that the Holy Spirit is the living water given to those who believe in Jesus. And we know that the Holy Spirit could only be received after Jesus' death and resurrection once he had returned to the Father. But let's just pause a moment and try to understand why Jesus said this, where he did, and when he did. Remember that Jesus was a faithful Jew, and as a faithful Jew, he celebrated the Jewish feasts. Jesus, however, didn't merely celebrate the Jewish feasts, he actually fulfilled them. All of them were partial, temporary, unfinished, waiting to be completed by the coming of the Christ. The interior meaning and power of each Jewish festival 
is fulfilled in the person of Jesus, who is in himself the new temple, the new sacrifice, the new law, and the new covenant. The gospel reads that when Jesus cries out, wanting to quench our thirst, he's doing so on, quote, the last day of the feast, the great day. Well, what feast are we talking about? Jesus, with all the people in Jerusalem at this time, was celebrating the feast of Sukkot, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. Sukkot is a multi-day agricultural feast. It celebrates the harvest of various crops and recalls God's work of creation and God's Sabbath rest. Sukkot is called the Feast of Booths because Jews celebrated it literally by constructing little huts or shanties out of tree branches. They made little booths that they would dwell in during the festival. And these temporary dwellings for the week hearkened back to the 40-year sojourn in the desert when God provided food and water for his people when they were dwelling in tents. During this feast, the Jews offered thanks to God who brought his people into permanent homes and walled cities in the promised land. But they also looked forward to a future salvation, something more than what they had at the time. Now, here's where things get really interesting. The end of the Feast of Booths featured an elaborate water ritual. One of the Jewish Mishnah reads, He who has not seen the joy of the water ritual has never seen joy in his whole lifetime. The water ritual was a plea for rain in the coming year, for their crops to grow, for food. And it was a commemoration, too, of when God, through Moses, brought forth water from the rock when the Israelites were dying of thirst. Here's how this whole thing went. In the morning, the temple priests processed from the Jerusalem temple down to the pool of Siloam, a deep reservoir in the southeast part of the city. There, the priests filled a golden pitcher with water and lifted it up and brought it back to the temple in procession with great fanfare, pilgrims all around. Scholars understand that this is a liturgical manifestation of Isaiah 12:3, which reads, With joy you will draw water from the springs of salvation. When the priests approached the water gate of the inner court of the temple, the ram's horn, the shofar, was blown three times. Inside the temple, giant candelabras were lit, and dancers with flaming torches glided back and forth to music. Next, the priests processed around the altar while the pilgrims watched and the choir sang the Hallel Psalms. That is six psalms of the Jewish songs of praise. We sang one of them tonight, Psalm 118. We sang one of the Hallel Psalms. Then the priests poured the water from the golden pitcher into a silver libation bowl. They filled another libation bowl with wine. The water and the wine. Finally, the priests then 
pushed the libation bowls over, spilling out all the contents of the water and the wine onto the floor of the temple as it covered and covered and covered more and more of the stone, thus completing the sacrifice to God. But there was one last part of the ritual, and it involved the people. The people assembled would shout to the priest, lift up your hand in unison. And the priest would then lift his hands high in the air after tipping over the bowls to show that he had faithfully discharged his duty and the sacrifice had been offered. The offering of the water and the wine to God the Almighty. The wine was poured out and so was the water drawn from the pool of Siloam. Again, remember the, the, the Mishnah from the Sukkot saying, he who has not seen this hasn't even had joy in his whole lifetime. This must have been an incredibly joyous, energetic, uh, music-filled, rejoicing experience for all the pilgrims there. So let's pause and go back to Jesus now. Is it possible that this was the moment that Jesus stood up and shouted Is it possible that at the end of the water ritual in the Feast of Booths, this was the time when Christ could not hold back his heart from shouting at the top of his lungs to God's scattered children, his desire to quench their thirst? And if it did happen like that, it would have been an earthquake in the temple. I mean, the effect on the people gathered there, the pilgrims, it would have been like electric. Because Jesus was claiming that everything the water ritual embodied was about him. God's providence and faithfulness in their history. God's quenching of his people's thirst from the rock. His quenching of his people's thirst then, in the first century, God's future promise that he would save Israel, he would save them from tyranny, save them from violence, even save them from death. All this is now made available through Jesus. And through the spirit that he would give after he is glorified. Can you imagine being a pilgrim at that festival and hearing Jesus say, if you're thirsty, Come to me. Let anyone who thirsts come to me and drink. And rivers of living water will flow from you who believe in me, Jesus says. You won't need to go down to the pool of Siloam. You won't need to go down to the Jordan. You won't need to go dig a well. If you believe in me, if you believe in me, you'll have not just ordinary water, you'll have living water, the water God's promised you. It'll be flowing out of you. You'll contain too much of it. You'll just need to let it leak and spread and flow like a river. If you trust me. It's kind of no wonder that when you read the next few verses of John's gospel, there's this great division that breaks out among the people. Some people think he's the Christ. Others do not. And the temple police, right? So the temple always had, always had temple cops around. Okay, temple police are always there. The temple police, they try and arrest Jesus. 
makes sense. Like, how dare you interrupt this feast? How dare you impute this honor to God for yourself in the sacred moment where the temple priests are working? How dare you? But they can't arrest him. They're afraid to. They, they do nothing. And when they go back to their chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, they want a reason. Why didn't you arrest him? Why were you afraid? And all I can stammer is, no one has ever spoken like this man. And the crowds were electrified. Their spiritual thirst, their inner thirst for the living God was being spoken to by the one who would give the living water. And they wanted more. And many began to believe in him. Friends, we all have different water rituals in our lives from pouring a drink of water to brushing our teeth and taking a shower to pouring out a a, a drink for a friend. All of us have different things that, that we do with water each day. Some of them very mundane, some of them very, very sacred. Maybe something that has a lot of meaning for us. All of us deep down, are thirsty. Sure, we thirst for ordinary water, but we thirst even more each day for love. We thirst to be known. We thirst to be understood. We thirst to be accepted. We thirst to be part of a home and a family. We thirst to be forgiven. We thirst to be at rest. We thirst to be embraced. We thirst to be loved and we thirst to be set free to love. And in the end, we are thirsting for God who is himself the endless ocean of love which always goes deeper and deeper. Today on the Feast of Pentecost, we celebrate that God has poured out his spirit, the river of living water, into us through Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the love of Father and Son, is given to us by faith. It's given to us by an act of trust. It's not something you have to work for or dig a well for or beg for. Jesus is here in this liturgy, in this church, right within you. And he asks for your trust. We have come to Christ, we have thirsted, and he wants to give us not just a little sip, not just a little drink for the day. He wants to irrigate our hearts with God's own love. We've experienced Jesus digging an everlasting fountain of divinity within us who are baptized, the rivers of living water we have. The Spirit is given to us freely, lavished upon us. In the past, we may have sought to quench our thirst with water that dried up or water that was filthy or water that left us thirstier than before. But friends, wherever you are tonight in your relationship with God, today is Pentecost. 
Today is the day of the Spirit. It's the day of the living water that God wants to make well up in your heart. Today, avail yourself of this grace. Take this promise of Christ to yourself and ask for this living water. Ask to receive Jesus and his Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot be obtained or bought or taken. He can only be received. The Spirit can only be received. I can think of no better way to respond to this word of God tonight than simply to ask for this living water who is the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive the Holy Spirit. In the name of our Savior, may rivers of living water flow from within you. In the name of Jesus, receive the refreshment of God's breath. Like the ancient church, I invite all of us to pray after me that simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. 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 Amen.